0: And welcome everybody to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Hope you are well. Uh, Boy, we've got quite a bit on the show today. Uh, We're getting into October, but don't worry, we're not quite there yet. September 28th. um, That's when we're doing this podcast. And we're going to do a bit of a new format here. uh, And I hope you like it. Uh, My mom has approved it. Not really. I haven't even told her. Uh, Hopefully she'll approve it. Uh, But basically, here's how this is going to work. I've got a new show on Just the News uh, called The Water Cooler with David Brody. Thank you. It's the narcissistic portion uh, of the program you know I had to get some narcissism in there somewhere Uh, anyhow it's a Monday through Friday show on just the news uh, and you can see it on real America's voice across the country dish network uh, my goodness Apple TV Roku uh, we're in select markets all across the country uh, and as well at just the news.com And what we're going to do on the podcast is uh, we do a lot of big interviews. And so we're going to take some of those interviews that we've done for the new show. Ready? The show is called, as I said, The Water Cooler with David Brody. And we will hear those interviews uh, right here on the podcast. We've got Russ Vogt coming up in this podcast. He is the director, the White House director of the Office of Management and Budget. I know it sounds boring. It's not boring. He talks about critical race Theory. He talks about patriotic education and a lot more. So he'll be on the podcast uh, today. Also, Ralph Reed, the CEO of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, will be. Uh, here as well. And when I say here, once again, we're going to sh- have some audio from the Water Cooler show that we do Monday through Friday on Real America's Voice. And of course, just the news. Uh, we'll have shows on Real's, Real America's Voice uh, for the foreseeable future at this point. So we're really looking forward to that. So Ralph Reed talking about Amy Coney Barrett and judges as well here on the Pod's Honest Truth. All right, we're back in a moment with Russ Voigt. Russ Voigt. And welcome back, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Time now for our interview with Russ Vogt. I know. Look, he spells his name V-O-U-G-H-T. So how would you pronounce that? Voit Voight? John Voight? No, no. It's Russ Vogt is how you pronounce it, and he was on the show uh, today, and I want to play you some of that interview. Actually, we're going to play all of the interview. Why the heck not? Uh, it's free. It's a podcast, so so you get the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, he's going to talk about uh, – we've heard a lot about white privilege, and we've heard about critical race theory, uh, and the president wants critical race theory eliminated – Uh, in some of these federal workforce programs, and Russ Vogt is the guy in charge of taking care of that from a financial standpoint, from a funding standpoint. And so we're going to get into that, also patriotic education. We're also going to talk about withholding funds to certain cities like Seattle and Portland and New York uh, and Washington, D.C., and why the president is tasking Russ Vogt with doing that as well. We begin, though, with the big news on Monday, which was that big New York Times uh, report about Trump's taxes. It was a so-called big blockbuster report. Eh, buzzer. Wasn't all that big of a deal, but we did ask Russ vote about it here on the Pod's Honest Truth. Director vote, thanks for being here. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Well,
0: look, before we get into critical race theory, uh, we want to talk about that. I do, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit about what this New York Times report is out today. They're not producing any documents, but they sure have a big expose on Trump's tax returns. You're a financial guy. What do you, what do you think about all of the bluster that's going around D.C. today?
1: Yeah, here we go again, David. Once again, right in the, uh, in the midst of a, a heated uh, political campaign, the New York Times comes forward with more fake news uh, along the lines of what we just saw on the their reporting. Um, at, here at the White House, we're focused on helping the president govern the country, and, and uh, we believe it's, it, it's nothing to see here.
0: All right, let's move on a little bit to critical race theory um, and talk about what you're tasked with doing. Uh, give us a sense of what you're trying to root out uh, inside the federal government according to what the president wants to see see done. And what's the timetable here, uh, Director Vote?
1: Sure, It's a, the timetable is immediate. The president has already taken action to ensure that un-American trainings that federal government workers that would would have to go through to be able to serve their country, in which they were told that America is inherently racist, that the founding was inherently racist, that all white people are inherently racist, that 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 is something that will no longer go forward as a use of taxpayer resources. The President extended it to the contractors, anyone doing business with the federal government, and we are in the midst of working. I put out guidance about 15, 20 minutes ago to be able to implement this and to systematize it to help those who are at these agencies know uh, what we are pr- particularly concerned about.
0: You mentioned 15, 20 minutes ago. Can you walk us through, I mean, not to geek out or anything with all of the, the minute details, but g- give us a sense of exactly what what's going to be coming here. What are people going to see in this next day or two here?
1: Sure. One of the things that we wanted to do is help uh, people at the agencies know the kinds of words that we're worried about. Uh, White fragility, unconscious bias, uh, intersectionality—these are all the terms that are, the left has used to, to that are consistent with the critical race theory that has been emanating from college campuses for many, many decades. Uh, unfortunately, that's something that we've seen uh, emanate into our culture. If you're watching the. the the TV over the last several months you've seen uh, cities being looted and and torn down that comes from a philosophy a leftist philosophy though your your institutions are fundamentally racist they need to be torn down we certainly don't want it practiced and preached at the federal government level through uh, training to uh, federal workers.
0: Well I want to get to some of that funding for those cities in a moment I want to ask you you wrote something here uh, in the last few weeks you said uh, basically that uh, they this type of critical race theory endangers division and resentment within the federal workforce can you expand on that how would that endanger division within the federal workforce
1: well if you're being mandated to go to a training in which you're told that you are fundamentally racist by the virtue of the fact that you're white uh, you think about the division that that uh, sows, and again, I want to be very clear that the, the administration's presence is not opposed to diversity training of meeting people of different backgrounds, different faiths, uh, different ethnicities. We believe that, that all that should continue and, and, and we're hopeful that uh, agencies continue to pr- put forth that kind of training, but to the extent that you're, you're sowing discord about the, the American founding. Uh, our institutions and saying that they're all racist, that's the kind of thing that we're trying to weed out.
0: I want to move on to some of what's been going on in, in cities like Seattle and Portland. I know the president is concerned about, about that specifically and some of the funding, withholding funding from certain cities uh, for certain reason, anarchist and all of that type of uh, situation. What can you tell us? What's the latest on withholding some funding uh, from some of these cities, Seattle, Portland, I believe there's others, New York and a few others?
1: sure david we've uh we've cited four cities seattle portland new york city uh washington dc five cities in the in the original order uh and uh we are continuing to look at those cities and to be able to uh identify what they are receiving in terms of uh resources from the from the federal government and we're going to begin to pull money back where it's where it's appropriate we don't want money to go to community development block grant for a city that's is not rebuilding its community, but in, in in fact tearing it down. We don't want a public transportation grant to go to a community that is vandalizing its 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 transit system.
0: And I want to also ask you about patriotic education. Uh, that is something that's come up. Uh, the president is going to sign an executive order on the 1776 Commission. Uh, basically, there are critics out there, uh, and I'm going to read to you what they say. They say that basically it would gloss over the country's horrible actions, essentially erasing. History. That's some of the criticism about the 1776 Commission. Can you tell me your role in this, in terms of the funding and what will happen as it relates to states and potential school districts around the country?
1: Sure. Right now, this is just an effort to make sure that there is a a curriculum out there for states to be able to uh, use in their decisions based on, on how they choose to spend local resources and the federal dollars that they receive. Uh, this is. We want to make sure that there's a curriculum out there that that identifies the the aspirations and the the opportunity of America in its founding uh, that also characterizes where we've struggled as a country and where we've made progress, but to do it within the the construct of a narrative that this country is a great one, it's the greatest country the world has ever seen, and we are on an ongoing basis trying to live up to the ideals of the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal, uh, and and to have a curriculum that is uh, consistent with that narrative and uh, instead of one that's fundamentally divisive.
0: Very concerned if Democrats take control that this patriotic education might be done away with. Is that, is that a big fear?
1: Of course, uh, you know, to the extent that uh, this president is not in charge. Uh, this is something that we, you know, are, are going to be able to accomplish things uh, while the president is in office.
0: Director Vote, really appreciate you joining me there from the White House. Take care and thanks for coming on. Go to your happy price, Price line. All right, that's Russ vote here on the pod's honest truth. Uh, now, time for Ralph Reed, the CEO of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Uh, he is instrumental in evangelical world uh, getting evangelicals out to uh, to vote. Obviously, from a conservative perspective, you might imagine they're trying to get Donald Trump uh, reelected, and that's uh, what he's doing. And of course, Amy Coney Barrett, the Supreme Court nominee now by the president, uh, will make his job, Ralph Reed's job, a bit easier. Uh, because, boy, I got to tell you. Uh, That is the evangelical enchilada, if you will. In other words, it is a big deal. It should help with not just evangelicals, but with uh, Catholics especially, especially some of those white Catholics in the Rust Belt states in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, those type of states. So uh, without further ado, it's so official, I can't believe I said it like that. Without further ado, here is Ralph Reed on The Pod's Honest Truth. Ralph, thanks for being here. I appreciate it.
2: You bet, David. Good to be with you.
0: Well, look, uh, is this a game changer from an election standpoint? What's your sense of it, Ralph?
2: Uh, it's hard to say. You never know what the political impact's going to be until it plays out. We have to wait until the hearings, which begin on October 12th. Then we have to see what kind of last minute, uh, you know, sort of uh, personal and uh, other kinds of professional attacks the other side's going to level. I've been through. Uh, You know, so many of these I've lost count going all the way back to Robert Bork. I was there for the Clarence Thomas nomination when I was at the Christian coalition. And I think this will be the fifth or sixth nomination I've done at Faith and Freedom. So, you know, the best thing to do is to prepare for the absolute worst, which we are. But, you know, overall, what I would say is the president promised to pick conservative, originalist, textualist judges who were pro-life, and who respected the Constitution of the Bill of Rights. He's kept that promise over 200 times. He kept it with Neil Gorsuch. He kept it with Brett Kavanaugh. He's kept it again with Amy Coney Barrett. And I think it will encourage voters of faith and others who are concerned about the courts uh, to turn out in record numbers.
0: Ralph, what is it about Amy Coney Barrett? We always hear she, oh, evangelicals love her. She's, uh, she's been the top pick, you know, last time with Kavanaugh, he was great, but boy, they really wanted Amy Coney Barrett. And here she is, what, what is it about her that that seems to strike a, a chord, if you will, with evangelical voters?
2: Well, she, she genuinely is one of the finest jurists to emerge on either side of the aisle in the last quarter century. Uh, she not only clerked for Antonin Scalia, but many of the clerks who were there at the same time, including for people like Stephen Breyer and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, said she was the favorite clerk that they interacted with. You hear some of the same things from her colleagues at Notre Dame. She graduated first in her class. She was law review. She's a towering intellect. She's a brilliant, she's a woman of faith. She's gonna be the first mother of school age children who's gonna sit on this court Uh, And her judicial philosophy is very similar to, if not identical to that of Antonin Scalia. So I don't think it's hard to figure out why these voters of faith are so excited about her. And I predict, sadly, it's not a prediction I'm happy about, but I think the other side's gonna do everything they can to smear and destroy her. And therefore I think it's critical for us to be praying for her and her family and let's make our voices heard. Let's not take this confirmation for granted. Let's not assume we have the votes. Let's not assume this is over. It's not over until she's confirmed.
0: Ralph, what do you expect to see going forward? You mentioned smears. I mean, you know, there's been this talk of anti-Catholic bias. I mean, uh, Maisie Hirono back in 2017 called her a Catholic judge. I mean, can you imagine? I can't even imagine Ruth Bader Ginsburg, let's say, 30-plus years ago, being called a Jewish judge. I mean, what in the world? And so, and then, of course, we know that Diane Feinstein believes that the dogma lives loudly within her. What, what are you expecting to see this time around, Ralph?
2: Well, i, I got to be honest with you. I just expect the unexpected. Um, you know, we went through uh, the Thomas nomination in 91. And frankly, for most of that nomination, up until he, he was days away from a confirmation vote, is when the anita hill allegations uh came out on npr in the case of brett kavanaugh he'd already had his hearing he performed superbly and brilliantly it was a virtual done deal when the washington post published the Christine blasey ford allegations so expect the unexpected uh i think as of right now the the democrats on the left are conflicted about the attacks on her religion. I think some are gonna do it, but Nancy Pelosi said this weekend it's off limits. I think it's gonna be about Obamacare. I think it's gonna be about Roe. I think it's gonna be about her, uh, not her faith per se, but what they're gonna allege is her attempt to use the Supreme Court justice slot to advance her faith.
0: Well, Ralph, it seems like this could really come back uh, or come back to uh, basically bite Democrats here. I mean, look, you know about the Catholic vote. Can you talk to me a little bit about that swing Catholic vote? We know that it went for Obama in 2008, 2012 as well. 2016, Donald Trump wins it. And then of course, if you get into white Catholics, Donald Trump did 60%. So what numbers are you looking for here? Because it seems to me this could play well in Rust Belt states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, et cetera?
2: Well, I think that's exactly why the Democrats are worried and they're, uh, they're conflicted about how they're gonna approach this nomination because on the one hand, they have to go after for their liberal progressive base. On the other hand, in American politics, the evangelical vote is now the base vote of pro-life Republican candidates. Uh, they were half of all the votes that Donald Trump got in 2016, I think they're gonna be roughly half of all the votes that he gets in 2020. Uh, I think they're gonna turn out in record numbers, in part because of this judges and courts issue, but the swing vote in American politics is the Catholic vote. No one's been elected president since 1960 without carrying the Catholic vote. Donald Trump surprised all the pollsters and prognosticators four years ago, winning at 50 to 46 with the remainder going to third party candidates. Uh, I think in the most recent Fox News poll, it's 49 Biden, 46 Trump. It's basically a jump ball. It's a tie. Probably whoever wins those, that vote is going to win the upper Midwest and whoever wins the upper Midwest is gonna be elected president.
0: Ralph, I got 30 seconds, the water cooler conversation today is about that big New York Times article about Trump's tax returns. What do you make of, uh, I mean, last time I checked, when I looked at the New York Times article, I went to search for some of their documents that they had to prove all of this or show it, and I couldn't see any. What's your take?
2: Uh, My take is it's a regurgitation, a retread of an old story. The New York Times had a front page story in 2016 about the fact that he had taken a huge write-off in 1995 that would have allowed him to potentially not pay federal income taxes for 18 years. So we already know... That he had write-offs. We already know that he had credits. We already know that in the mid-90s, he took steep losses that allowed him to carry those losses forward. There's nothing new in this story. It's just a uh, transparently, politically timed attack right before the first debate.
0: All right, that's Ralph Reed here on the Pod's Honest Truth. Once again, a programming note, remember to watch my new show on Real America's Voice as part of the Just the News programming called The Water Cooler with David Brody. I've had to get my name in there. Narcissist alert, I know. Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Check your local listings. We're going to have tons of big interviews uh, and you will be able to hear some of those interviews right here on the Pod's Honest Truth. Until next time, everybody. We'll see you
1: tomorrow.